Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Welcome back. We've been working our way through the eight qualities necessary for building a life that lasts. And today, we're looking at the eighth and final quality, which is love. And I hope that you're memorizing this passage and that it's causing you to live your very best life. As I said last week, especially on those days when life is hard. So let's get started. We're going to jump into 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 3. Ready? Here we go. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins." Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, Peter starts with faith, but ends the list of virtues with love. And he was very specific. He wrote to brotherly love, add agape. Love, unconditional love. It's a God-like quality. God is love. For God so agape the world that he gave his one and only son. I think it's brilliant that Peter makes agape love the ultimate outcome of faith. Interesting, isn't it? We're never more like God than when we love others unconditionally. So you start with faith and you end with love. Faith is having confidence, you see, that God exists and rewards those who diligently seek him. Agape love is the active pursuit of the best for someone else, even whenever they don't deserve it. It's a process, though. Peter is clearly telling us that building a life that lasts begins with us believing in God and results in us becoming like God. Again, it's a process. You start in faith end in love. Faith will tell you what to do. Love will tell you how. Follow the process. The process of spiritual growth starts with faith, and we live by faith every day. I think you know that. We live by faith in the physical world. For example, we drive by faith in traffic laws. There's so much we don't see happening around us. We drive confidently straight through a green light, not even knowing what are the vehicles may be approaching that same, that same intersection at that same moment. Where does our confidence come from? We have such confidence because we believe in the laws and rules that govern traffic. We have faith that everybody will obey the traffic laws. We drive right through the green light, trusting that others will stop. Why are we confident? 
because we have predictability. We predict that traffic will stop precisely because there are laws governing traffic. We live as though physical laws will be enforced and obeyed by everyone. And we know what happens whenever someone knowingly or innocently ignores the rules of the road, right? Chaos and collisions ensue. So we live by faith in the physical world. Why would we not believe that Peter, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, knows what he's talking about in the spiritual world? If you want to build a life that lasts, then do these things. Follow the process, y'all. He was very direct. He said in verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He also said, verse 10, for if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, this process works, not sometimes, every time. And the process will work for everyone. It'll work for you, but I'll warn you that merely knowing this plan won't give you the results you want. Implementing the plan will. Go ahead, just pull the trigger, start today, and what will happen? You'll begin seeing results from the compound effect. What you do today will bring results tomorrow and greater results each day. That's how it works. If you want to be spiritually fit and healthy, if you want to be effective and productive, if you want to live for God and not just know about God, then listen to Peter because he knows what he's talking about. There's always someone who thinks they know more. But I tell you, don't listen to spiritual advice from someone who's spiritually bankrupt. Just like you wouldn't take financial advice from a broke person, right? If anyone you know has a plan, only it isn't working for them, why would you follow their plan? They don't know what they're talking about. If you want to be financially healthy, find someone who knows what they're talking about. Ask them for a plan and then, of course, well, follow the plan. Peter has given us a plan to build a life that lasts. Each day is about learning and growing. What you may need to know tomorrow can only be learned by the things you experience today. Love becomes that pinnacle, the reward of following the process. Someone may agree with everything up to the point where they realize Peter expands his focus to love everyone, everywhere, all the time. If you're thinking, surely Peter doesn't expect me to love this person or that person, let me assure you that he does. After all, it was Jesus who insisted, not suggested, that our love go beyond the reasonable. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard it said, love or agape your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love or agape your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It makes perfect sense to love people who love us and hate those who hate us, right? That's just the way the world works. But it's not the way the kingdom works. Just as Jesus reset the bar for who we are to love from neighbor to include enemies, he reset the bar on how we are to love. Jesus acknowledged the law of human nature, but he calls us to be different, radical, and countercultural. He wants us to go completely against our basic human natures and love people who annoy or antagonize us. 
Do kind things for the people who actively try to hurt us and ask God's blessing for crying out loud for those who curse us and do everything in their power to cause us pain. It doesn't make much sense until we realize that's exactly the way God has treated us. We are to love people as we have been loved by Jesus. That's what he was talking about in John 13. A new command I give you, he said, love or agape one another. As I have agape or loved you, so you must love or agape one another. What would motivate us to show agape love to others? I think it's simple. You copy Jesus. Peter knew that the best way for us, for our faith to grow and expand is by expressing that faith to others. What does that look like though? Four things come to mind. First, we got to accept others because Jesus accepted us, Romans 15. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Second, we should love people enough to speak truth because that's what Jesus did for us. He spoke truth to us. Paul spells this out the right, the right way, though, to speak truth to others in Ephesians 4, verse 15. He said, instead, speaking the truth in love or agape, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. You see, we live in a society that's quick to accuse one, one of being unloving if he or she doesn't accept every belief and action of another person. But the reality is there's nothing more unloving than to silently watch a person live their life in rebellion towards God. That's just not going to end very well. We, just like Jesus, must be courageous enough to speak the truth about money, power, sexuality, identity, justice, ethics, you name it, whatever it is, but speak the truth knowing full well that some people might reject us for doing so. Really, there's no might to it. We will be rejected and labeled hateful or worse by some people for speaking truth, but we must love enough to do so anyway. However, we must speak the truth in the right way. And what's the right way? In anger? No. Rejection? No. Arrogance? No. Condemnation? No. Until we can speak the truth from a place of love, it's probably best not to speak at all. Third, Another way we show love to others like Jesus is, is to forgive others the way we've been forgiven. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness seems to be in short supply these days, doesn't it? We live in a cancel culture, a culture where one bad take or misspoken phrase, a, some dubious act, can get you cast into the abyss never to be heard from again, no matter how many times you apologize. That's bad news for all of us because there's not one of us that's guilt-free. Things only get worse in the home or at church or at work or in society whenever forgiveness is withheld. Hearts are hardened, hate grows, and the divides between us just expand. That's the last thing we need. On the flip side, healing both for... The offender and the victim begin with the words, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? Well, what about holding people accountable for their actions, Dan? Are you suggesting that we should just let people off the hook? How will they ever learn? There are needed and necessary consequences for sure for every wrong act that should be allowed to play out. Justice should be served. 
But forgiveness allows a person to see the value they still have as a human being. That if if they'll learn and change, their best days can be ahead of them, no matter how bad their failure. It's a gift that's hard to give, but it's a gift that has the greatest potential to change lives and the world. How do I know? I know because it's the forgiveness I have received from Christ and others as well that has led to the greatest growth in my own life. And the forgiveness that I have chosen to offer others that has set me free to live free of resentment and bitterness, it's unspeakable, it's wonderful. Now, one reason I love the Lord so much is explained in Luke chapter seven, verse 47. He just says, to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Now, in my case, so much has been forgiven. So I make it my goal to love much. It's no wonder Peter wrote in verse nine, but if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. And fourth, loving like Jesus means that we'll sacrifice for others. Why? Because Jesus sacrificed for us. It's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. To be with us, to save us, cost Jesus big time. He gave up everything so that we might know just how much we are loved by God. It's amazing. This now is how we are to love others. John 15, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lays down his life for one of his friends. Later in this letter, Peter added these words. This is 2 Peter 4, 8. He just says, above all, love or agape each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Opportunities to serve others are all around us, but the temptation to put it off for a later time is often great, isn't it? In any relationship, and especially any strained relationship, we have a choice to be like God or to be like all other selfish people on the planet. If we choose selfishness, well, then we're on our own. But if we make the hard decision to pursue God, to live at the radical center of God's will and make our lives the display case for his grace, he has promised to lead us and use us to change lives. So I want to invite you to take a challenge with me. For the next seven days, whenever you hear or you hear of some need or you see a way to love others through just serving them, if at all possible, act immediately. If a person comes to mind who could use a phone call, I wanna challenge you to go ahead and make that call right then. If someone needs a favor, why not just stop and go help them out? If your parent asks you to take out the trash, go do it. I'm confident that if you take this seven-day challenge seriously, you will do more good, bring more joy and experience more satisfaction than if you have than, than you have in quite some time, if that's not been your norm. We don't want to merely do loving things toward others. We want to be loving toward others in all things. Now I've encouraged you to grow spiritually by simply following this process that's outlined for us by Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. Why? 
because the reward will be that you will build a life that lasts. A professor, Howard Hendricks, quoted a businessman who lamented. He just said, I spent my entire life climbing the ladder of success only to find that it's leaning against the wrong wall. In life, effort isn't enough. Even adding a healthy measure of passion isn't enough. Our energy and emotion have to be spent on something worth fighting and dying for. It's the ultimate objective of life that gives meaning. Peter says that we've been called. You have been called by God and set out on a mission, and you're not alone. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. My hope is that you've been inspired by Peter to live your very best to God's glory. What are you spending all your effort on? What ladder are you climbing? When you get to the top, where will you be? Following the process outlined by Peter will lead to a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound amazing? Paul talked about the same thing in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He said this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. An encounter with Jesus made him realize that his ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Suddenly, he found a cause that was worth every ounce of his being, and he gave it his all. He devoted his considerable intelligence, his heart, his leadership gifts, his time, and all the rest of his resources to that single consuming cause, Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of his life, he looked back over his life and he wasn't sorry, not one bit. Now, let's live like that. I'm praying that the eight qualities increase in your life a little each day. Let's take a minute right now to review these together. First, today I will add to my faith. I will do more than believe. I will trust God. I will truly come alive. I will let faith lead me. I will follow God in faith. Today, I will practice moral excellence. I will put into practice what I know. Today, I will grow in knowledge of God's word. I will read my Bible and I will ask God for wisdom. Today, I will be self-controlled. I will practice self-control over my emotions and attitudes. I will stop blaming others or making excuses because I am adding to my faith. Today, I will persevere. I will not give up. Today, I will practice godliness. I will include God and see him in everything I do. Today, I will practice brotherly kindness. I will be kind to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And now to the eighth virtue, we add the greatest of virtues. Today, I will love. I will love God most and will love my neighbor as myself.
Do the work. Stick with the process and the reward will come. I have found that when I adjust my thinking and I look at the daily activity as part of the reward, it makes this process a little bit easier and challenge of getting where I want to go much easier. Let me encourage you this week to change your vision and start seeing both the process and the reward that you want to achieve at the end of the road. Then the process will be somehow often suddenly become less burdensome and the things you do to reach your goal will seem a little bit lighter. This process worked for Peter. It's working for me and I am sure it will work for you as well. Let me ask God to bless us as we put this process into practice. A Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the past nine weeks where we have been able to review and think about and contemplate and pray about and work on these eight qualities. Father in heaven, I ask that you will fill all of your people with your Holy Spirit, that they will be empowered to live their very best one day at a time. We thank you, Father, for giving us this truth, that it is simple enough that we can understand it, that it is practical enough we can implement it. And I just pray, Father, you will be glorified through our lives as we grow to be more like Christ from day to day. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.